What is referential transparency? By the end of this episode, you'll know what this term means and why it's important in functional programming. My name is Eric Normand, and I help people thrive with functional programming. This concept is important because it's used a lot in functional programming circles, and because of that, it's important to understand what they mean by it because the term could come up in conversation, uh, in even documentation or a comment somewhere. Um, I do want to emphasize that this term is one of those terms that was taken from previous work before functional programming and uh, kind of changed. Okay, so this is not the original definition. It's not the definition you'd find in linguistics, which is where the term originally comes from, philosophy. Um, so this is what functional programmers mean right now. So what is it? Referential transparency basically means you can take an expression in your program and replace it with the result of that expression. So as an example, if you have the expression 5 plus 4, you can replace that with 9. Okay? That's, that's what it means. Now, 5 plus 4 is easy because you can do that in your head without running the program. There are some expressions that you don't know yet what they're going to give you. For instance, x plus y, you don't know what that's going to give you because you don't know x yet and you don't know y yet. But what you do know is that if x and y are the same as last time, so x hasn't changed and y hasn't changed, it's going to give you the same value as before. So if x is 3 and y is 7, it's, gonna, it's always going to give you 10, right? Uh, so this is referential transparency. It basically means you can replace the, the, uh, the expression with the result of that expression. Now, another way to look at it, uh, this is the way I like to look at it, is it means it doesn't matter how many times you run that expression. Okay, it doesn't matter how many times you call the function. Sometimes the expression is a function call. Sometimes it's like an operator. Sometimes it's um, some other kind of expression in your language. And um, it doesn't matter how many times you run it. You're always going to get the same answer. Okay, so when I say it doesn't matter how many times, it means even zero times is okay. For example, in the th 5 plus 4 example that I gave before, the compiler can replace that 5 plus 4 with 9. And so it, basically at runtime, your expression never runs. Right? It ran once at compile time uh, just to give you that number. Or it might not need to ever be run because that line of code never happens. Right, because that value wasn't needed. So that's we'll get to that. That's in lazy evaluation. That's what that's what that's called. Um, another way to look at it is if you give the same arguments to the operator or to the function, you're going to get the same result every time. 
Okay. So it doesn't matter how many times you call it. You can call it zero times, one time, a hundred times. You're always going to get the same results. Now notice that you can't do that if you have side effects in your function. So it has to be a pure function to be referentially transparent. If my function sends an email or moves a robot arm or, you know, deletes a file on the disk, it's not going to be referentially transparent because it does matter how many times it runs. I can't just replace that expression with its return value. So if it moves a robot arm and then returns how many inches it moved and it's, so it's 10 inches, right? But then I run it again and it's like, no, it didn't run again. I replaced that with 10 inches. It's not going to work, right? You need to be able to move the arm every time you run the function. Uh, likewise, if you're doing something like fetching a web page, reading a file from the disk, calculating a random number, getting the current date, those, and those are functions, those are not referentially transparent either. Every time you read the file from the disk, it could be different. Some other program might be writing to it. Same with a, a web request. You could get a different page each time. Uh, the date is obviously going to be different every time you run it because you might run it today, you might run it tomorrow. The random number, you want it to be different every time. So it's not referentially transparent. You can't replace the call to the random number generator with whatever the compiler found the first time it called it. Right? It's not going to work. You actually need to run it. Uh, you can't just replace it with its expression. So this is important because uh, it's one of the properties of pure functions, of calculations. Pure functions calculate. I like to call them calculations, but you might know them better as pure functions. This is, this is one of the properties of pure functions that we can use in our programs or our programming language to get some benefits from. So I've already mentioned you can replace 5 plus 4 with 9 at compile time and you get the same resulting program. You don't have to run that at, at runtime because it's always going to give you the same answer. Um, so that's an optimization that the compiler can do. But likewise, you can do optimizations like lazy evaluation. And what lazy evaluation means is it says this expression will be called either zero times or one time, not more than one. So at zero times, it's fine because we said it doesn't matter if it's called zero times because you might never need the answer. So you might not need the answer to x plus y. So why run it? Just remember that this is, if I ask for it, then you calculate it. And uh, if you do need the answer, it calculates it one time. And if you need the answer again, it just uses the pre-calculated answer. That's lazy evaluation. I should have an episode on that. That sounds like a good thing. Let me make a note. All right, so the other thing that you can do is, is more like caching or memoizing. Okay, so lazy evaluation is, is saying um, 
we're going to run this zero or one times. Caching evaluation is or memoization is very similar. Uh, but what you're saying is after I calculate it once, I'm going to store it and return that the next time. So the famous example of memoization is memoizing the recursive version of Fibonacci. Because if you do a recursive definition of Fibonacci, there's a lot of repeated work. You're going to be calling Fibonacci of 2 or Fibonacci of 3 a lot of times uh, because every time you call Fibonacci, as you call Fibonacci, it's going to call two more Fibonacci's and add them up. And then that's going to, each one of those is going to call two more Fibonacci's and add them up. Each one of those will call two more. So it, it expand, it doubles at every level of that tree. And a lot of them are going to be the same, right? Because they're going to start, they're going to start running into each other. And you should program it just to, to see what I'm talking about. If you do Fibonacci of a high number, it takes a long time to calculate. And it's because they're, it's calculating the same thing over and over. And so you can memoize this function, Fibonacci, so that every time you call it, it's actually checking, hey, have I already calculated this one? If I have, I'm not going to calculate it again. I'm just going to return it. So it kind of short circuits the recursion. Um, you only have to do that the first time, and then after that, uh, it'll it'll just it'll just use this cached value. Uh, it's very similar to lazy evaluation. Lazy evaluation is um, is is sort of like a, a generalized thing you can run on any expression, and sometimes the whole language will have every expression be lazy evaluated behind the scenes you don't even think about it like in Haskell whereas memoizing is something you do specifically to a function as a way to optimize it okay and like I said it this is a property of pure functions I want to talk about why this I don't like this term just a little bit it's it's one of those kind of okay so I already mentioned <laughs> I already mentioned that it is taking a term that already exists and repurposing it and changing the definition a little bit uh, without reference to its sources, really. And uh, so I, that's one thing I don't like because then you can't really communicate across domains. You know, they use it a different way in linguistics and even in computer science. There's this whole other branch, not functional programming, called uh, programming language semantics that uses it in a totally different way. So we have to be careful about that. Um, but the other thing I don't like about it is it's like pinpointing this one little thing about pure functions that is kind of part of the definition of pure functions, right? Pure function has no effect, so you can... Um, it, the only thing that's important about the function is its return value. And so you, you know, you, by definition, that means you could replace it with its return value. Um, it's, it's really not any different from pure functions, not in any practical, meaningful way. So it's a term that I don't know when people throw it around, sometimes it sounds like 
don't you just mean that's a pure function? Do you really have to say it's referentially transparent? You know, are you just trying to sound smarter? Um, so th that's, that's my nitpicking with the term. It's important though, because even though people are just using it to sound smarter, they are using it and, um, it, they have, you know, you have to understand what they're talking about. Okay. So it also has an opposite referential transparent, referentially transparent. Um, there's referentially opaque, which is the opposite. So referentially opaque, it means you cannot replace it with its value. You actually have to run the thing. So um, if you do something like a get request to a web server, you can't just replace the get request with whatever the compiler could got when you compiled it because the web server on the other side could change that page at any point. So you actually have to call it each time. Same thing for like writing out to a disk. You can't just not write out to the disk because you, you said, oh, my compiler has optimized that away. No, you have to write it out each time. Um, so that makes it opaque. Um, right, so let me recap. Um, referential transparency is a property of an expression, but we can extend it to a function calls or to functions that says that if you give it the same arguments, you can always get the same answer. So that means that you can replace that whole function call with the answer. That is if you know the arguments, but even at runtime you can do that, right? Which is lazy evaluation. Um, it means that it doesn't matter how many times you run it. You don't even have to run it at all. You can just replace five plus four with nine, never run the plus, and you get the, the, the program is still correct. It still gives you the same behavior. Uh, it's used in lazy evaluation, compiler optimization, caching, and memoizing. Oh, here's the thing I didn't mention. It's, it's useful when you're dealing with like the algebraic properties of, of an expression, right? Like if you could, you, you don't have to worry about um, how an expression got calculated because you could always just replace it with the value. So what's important is the value that came out of it. Um, that, that's, that's a nice thing when you're, when you're reasoning about your program, you don't have to worry about how the thing got calculated. You can kind of treat this function or this function call, this expression as a black box. And in the same way that you could just say, well, it's going to be replaced by its value. Um, okay. Uh, the opposite of it is referential opacity. People don't use that as much as they use referential transparency. Um, well, I've said my piece on referential transparency, but what I haven't really given is that original definition. And I'm talking about original computer science definition. I'm not saying like go back to um, a Quine who who was doing this in philosophy in the in the philosophy of, of language. Um, I'm talking about even in computer science, it was used before. So 
I didn't go over that, but if you want me to, I can in another episode. So let me know, and I'll make an episode about that. Well, if you like this episode, uh, you should subscribe because there will be more like it. And I'd love to see more people on this channel. You know, the reason I do this is this whole show is to help spread these ideas, to bring some kind of clarity to them uh, as much as I can. Um, you know, a lot of people will talk about just the the term and define it and maybe use it a couple times. I like to talk about how the term is used and whether, you know, how people are using it, whether it's important, things like that. Um, just trying to go a little bit deeper than the simple definition, because I think these things are important um, that we don't forget like the history of the term um, that if you're reading a paper on it and you don't know why it seems a little different from from the way people seem to be using it the terms have history and it's really the usage of them that matters so anyway if you're into that uh please subscribe uh you can also if you have a question if you want to get in touch with me if you want to tell me that you want this original definition uh, from semantics, programming language semantics, uh, you can email me at eric at lispcast.com. Uh, you can also tweet at me. Uh, I'm at Eric Normand, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Cool. I'll see you next time.